Hello everyone, welcome back to the 11th episode of the Down to the Wire podcast. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you're not subscribed, perhaps you could hit the subscribe button below if you're a regular listener. Thank you for all of those who listen regularly on either YouTube or on Spotify. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, make sure you give us a follow. Um, Jack, how are you doing? I tell you what, I am good because the Chiefs have won and United didn't lose to Liverpool. <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit of mixed emotions, I feel, today, to be honest, as a Liverpool yeah. fan and a Chiefs fan. Um, we'll but, get into that a bit But I tell you later, what, the bulk of my emotion... Uh, emulsion, emotion. Emotion. <laughs> the bulk emulsion. of my emotion that I'm feeling today stems from whether Patrick Mahomes has got a concussion or not. Yes, um, yeah. So I wouldn't say I'm in a particularly great mood or a foul mood. I'm just Tentative. limbo. Yeah, we're just kind of a little bit, little bit on edge. Um, yes, yeah, so obviously we'll uh, we'll be discussing some of the, uh, well, I say some of the big fixture of the weekend, Liverpool United, one of the big games in. Well, I was about to say English football, but world football really is probably one of the uh, biggest rivalries. Um, we will also be discussing the career of uh, Mr. Wayne Rooney, uh, announced that he's retiring early this week to become the full-time Derby County manager. Um, I, I, to be honest, Jack, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on this. Obviously, as a, as a you know, uh, a non-United fan, you know, my views will be different from yours, perhaps. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps you'll feel a bit more strongly about some things than uh, I would. Um, yeah, and we'll also be uh, dissecting, um, you know, some of the other uh, little tidbits from uh, what's been going on in the the Premier League this week. Perhaps some of the more topical issues, and then we will be moving on to the NFL as we. Uh, I'm just trying to think what round it was this week. It was the divisional this week, wasn't it? So we're into the championship games next week. Um, and they are looking pretty tasty, to be honest. So uh, we shall go from there. Uh, should we crack on? Let's do it. Right. Let's start with um, United-Liverpool. Um, for those of you who don't know, it finished uh, 0-0. Um <coughs> Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a nervy game, I would say. It was more one of those ones where you could almost tell that both teams were just didn't want to lose, which I know sounds a little bit dopey, but it, it, to be fair, when people say both teams didn't want to lose, that is mm. true. But I, it it wasn't one of those games where people don't want to lose and then they decide not to attack. There was no, a no. lot of attacking. To be fair, most of the attacking was done by Liverpool, mm. and. To be fair, Maguire and Lindelof. I mean, Lindelof towards the end made some exceptional challenges and blocks. Mm. Um, mm. But it, it was more of a case of that United defence wasn't going to break down. I mean, no. I think Luke Shaw had the game of his life against. Yeah, him, I know. So. I don't know where that came from. Like someone said that um, <laughs> they joked saying that uh, United signed uh, Alex T- uh, Tellez and now this is Luke Shaw and it's like a picture of Roberto <laughs> Carlos. Like. <laughs> Like, just out of nowhere, just started playing, actually playing quite well. Well, apparently he's um, been pretty good for United all season. To be, truth be told, I haven't watched much of the football this season, mm. um, or as much as I'd like to. But mm. um, apparently Luke Shaw has been one of Man United's standout players. And I, I think reputation precedes him, in a sense. He, he always was good at Southampton, but mm. in United colours, he's never quite got running. And whatever he no, has, he's, he's on, always had he? a really brutal injury at some like mm. really unfortunate moments. So it's nice to see him sort of come into fruition uh, for United this season. Yeah, I mean, as a Liverpool fan, it's a bit of a weird one, really, because I think there was a part of me that was thinking before the game we could do with the win, just to change the mood. As in Liverpool now of, you know, let's say fourth game in a row without a win, which is 
Um, you know, that's not not great form, really. Um, no, they haven't done that since... Oh, I did have the stat earlier. I think it was since 2017 they haven't done that, and that's when they lost five times in a row. Yeah, it's... it's, it's well, not lost, well, but didn't win. Sorry, yes, didn't win. Yeah, 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 that's fine. Um, but I think given how both teams have been playing recently, um, I think I would take a draw, in all honesty. Um, yeah, I'd be you know, honest. Go on. Even though United were the team that was drastically the worst performer of the two in the game Mm. I really was I think both teams um, came away with a little bit of a sense of disappointment that they didn't win the game but particularly because United had the two best opportunities of the game and Alisson just decided nah today's Today's the day I'm going to be like a brick wall. Um, I'm going to make some sort well, of uh, yeah, Spartan defence. It's like, it yeah, was like scoring. It was complete contrast, wasn't it? Because you had... You know, I think if Liverpool have a fully fit team, I, I think Liverpool... And, and they're playing well. I think Liverpool win that game. Mm-hmm. But the way things are at the moment, Liverpool haven't got a fully fit team and they've certainly not been playing particularly well. Mm-hmm. Whereas United, and, on the other hand, have been banging form. Yeah, that is true. Um, so sorry, uh, go on. What were you going to say? Uh, uh, and it suits their game plan. They've sort of done this for a few games where they love to play on the counter. They haven't been able to do it as much this yeah. year because yeah, teams yeah. are giving them a bit more respect than they have done previously. Like mm. obviously, when United were in their dog days, were like you know, really, well, not too long ago, uh, but where teams the would go to Old Trafford with a bit of yeah, a bit of confidence uh, <laughs> yeah. going into a game United. I, I think they've it's because of United's good form, teams are starting to give them a bit more respect in the sense that they yeah, sit maybe. off a lot more. But, mm. I mean, especially when you play one of the big teams. I mean, I, I kind of I get the vibe that Solskjaer goes into these games now saying, I'm not going to lose it. Cause, yeah, a bit of a Mourinho-esque style, isn't it? Is it not, not a case of, right, we, we have to win this game. It's just a case of, look, just don't lose. Yeah, because <laughs> we played Spurs. We played mm. Spurs early, lost to them 6-1. Since then... Mm. Every game we've played against the other classic top six has been either mm. a nil-nil or, apart from the one-nil loss to Arsenal, every other game mm. has been a nil-niller. So United haven't scored a single goal in, against any of the other mm. top six teams um, since the 6-1 loss to Spurs. And I, I think Solskjaer's coming away saying, OK, we only pick up a point, but they also only pick up a point. And it's like, well, mm. at the end of the day, you come out of those only with four points, but... Mm. I think you actually you've gained four. You've taken some points away from them. Yeah, I mean, I think it, in all honesty, it was it, it was more important for Liverpool to win that mm. game than it was for United, yeah. um, which obviously they didn't. I think I don't know, and I, I said this to you previously. I think the league is a bit of a different animal this year, just in general. As in last year, if it had been that result, and you know, uh, United stay three points clear of Liverpool. You kind of sat there and you're like, oh well, that could be the league. Whereas the way the league's gone this year, I would back United to drop points between now and the end of the season. But I would also oh, drop yeah. Liverpool to drop points between now that, and the end of the yeah. season, just because of the way the league has been. It's been that kind of topsy turvy um, vibe to it, you know. Um, well, apart from the last two years, I don't think there's ever been a Premier League season where you look at teams and you go, they're not going to drop any more points again. Yeah, like, or like... Or when like Liverpool one, went on that charge, yeah. it was like no one thought they were going to drop a point. Mm. Even, even when they lost one or two, everyone was like, well, they'll just win the rest of them. Everyone literally was looking to the end game and going, there's this many games left, there's so many points Liverpool or Man yeah. City even the year before we're going to pick up. Mm. Now, a lot more anyone can beat anyone. I, I feel yeah, like... Yeah. I feel like the top, well, Liverpool and mm. City have come not down to earth, but they've they've come also in touching distance. <laughs> the people well, who actually we'll, we'll, we'll grasp at them. Yeah, um, we'll discuss that later because yeah. I think that's an interesting discussion. But um, 
you know, like you said, I think Liverpool dominated the the first part of the game, but then United had the best chances of the game, no doubt. Um, Alisson, do you know what? It's interesting because I think Alisson did for Liverpool yesterday what De Gea has done for United for a long time, mm-hmm. where, you know, like I, I can think of new, like numerous occasions where Liverpool, you know, perhaps get a, a a cracking chance one on one, and then De Gea just makes an absolutely worldy save. And it's not necessarily, you know, that Liverpool are dominating all of the game, and then De Gea is keeping them in it. But it's one of those ones where it's like it's one moment, one big moment, and you know that can swing the tie. And I think Alisson yeah. did that for Liverpool yesterday. He just kept us in the game. Well, those um, saves so it, saved you four points difference between us. You know what I mean? It could yeah. be even worse. Um, yeah. That it is. Yeah. And, and I think. Um, you know, and I said this to you yesterday. Well, not yesterday, sorry. Oh yeah, no, it was yesterday. Liverpool feels like ages ago. It was only yesterday because it, perhaps it's because it was so stressful. Um, that that result for me only really suits Man City, to be honest. I think um, just because yeah. you know. I'll be honest, I'll in, take it. But as a United fan, but yeah, Man City are going to be the ones looking the best out of this. So I think yeah. the I guess the thing I would think is is like for you as a United fan, you're kind of looking at it and going. Yeah, all right, we'll take it. We're three points clear. As a Liverpool fan, I'm kind of like, we'll take it just because we've not been playing well, so a draw is better than a loss. Um, and then I to guess be... as a City fan, you're just like, well, they're taking points off each other. That's a win-win, really. And to be fair, I still don't even think Man United are genuinely going to be a title contender. I mean, Roy Keane was very, very hesitant to even put United in discussion to it in the commentary. It's very much the vibe mm. of Man United are... At the top at the moment, but they're not the best team, and I don't think they will. They don't think anyone thinks they will be. No. Um, but that's that's why I'm kind of like, well, we got a point off Liverpool. Mm-hmm. I, at the end of the day, I'm looking for top four football. I, mm-hmm. I I don't want them to go for a title charge this year, be disappointed, and then blow it all next year with unreal aspirations. Then mm-hmm. end up outside the top four um, because mm-hmm. they just collapse. I'd rather them go, hey, look at us. We're overachieving. Our aim was top four. Now we are in the conversation. An outside, yeah. an outside. Very much like the Buffalo Bills in the, in the Super Bowl. I don't think anybody genuinely thinks they're going to win it. Well, maybe some people will do, but they're mm. in the conversation at least, and that's what I like at the moment about United. I mean, it's it's one of those. I think it's like I said, it's one of those um, seasons where it's just so difficult to call, and it's interesting actually because I'm pretty sure Jurgen Klopp. Um, said that uh, he, you know Liverpool's objective this season was um, you know top four, not the title. Um, which I think I do think is a little bit of mind games because I think if he comes out now and says all oh, the title is the objective, that puts a huge amount of pressure on the players. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't I, think I, anybody really is going to listen to Jurgen Klopp saying when only aiming no, for top four. No. I mean, you just won the Premier League title in yeah. quite sensational circumstances, and it's mm. like absolutely nobody thinks there's four teams that are going to finish above you. Like, no. Yeah. Well, but, well, we'll see what happens. I guess it's just very topsy turvy. Um, yeah. Right. So I guess that those are our thoughts on the games. Perhaps we'll get into some of the more uh, nitty gritty um, kind of topics of the game. Um, so I guess the first one. I'm going to raise, which, you know, I don't necessarily agree with. I'm just putting it out there because that's what a lot of people seem to be complaining about. Um, so just before half time, um, 45 minutes and 54 seconds, there was one minute of time added on to the, you know, um, standard 45. Um, 
I believe it was Thiago who played the ball in behind. Uh, Mane got in behind and... Well, I say, I say got in behind. Between the ref blowing his whistle and the ball kind of being at Mane's feet, it the ref blew the whistle. Um, there seems to be a little bit of debate. You know, some people are saying, well, it's only five seconds. Some people are saying, um, you know... It's too close to call. Some, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Firstly, I mean, yeah, if, what do you think? If I'm honest, I didn't realize it was before the one minute mark, the forty six yeah. minute mark. Rather, I didn't realize that. But mm. I, I think I, I think it's a load of rubbish. If I'm honest, only the sense of the referee blew that whistle the moment Thiago booted that up in the air. He probably mm. with the anticipation of there's well, if it was only five seconds left or whatever. Mm. I mean, you never know because the he has his own watch, doesn't he? Which yes, has the clock yeah. on it. So he is actually... Well, yeah. the, he, he may have even gone, you know, it's only 50 seconds. Mm. Though, but I, I don't know what his dealio was there. But he blew mm. that whistle the moment it left Thiago's foot, pretty much. I mean, I've seen... And, and as he did, you know, once the referee blew, I think United players very basically just went, okay. And as the yeah. ball came down, I think Mane was like, oh, I'm through. And it wasn't a realistic, like, he's through. I'm sure the United players would have been... Mm. Well, I'm not going to say it's that we're going to win the ball. It's, it's that, a what-if, yeah. isn't it? And you can't it's very much like, yeah, yeah. Mane's just gone on and he's gone, oh, but I would have been through almost to yeah. get a bit of favour later on or something. I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I've seen a lot of different discussion on it. I saw, I think it might have been Mark Clattenburg saying, you know, that referees try and aim for the ball to be in like a neutral zone, which yeah, I guess I is why the ref, which is why the ref blew up as Thiago hit it in the air because he was kind of around the the edge of the D on Liverpool side, wasn't he? And obviously then by the time you kick it in the air, you're kind of around halfway. Yeah. Um, I saw another referee saying that the ref got it wrong because the regulations say with the added time, you have to play the minimum amount. You can always add more on, but you should never cut any off. Okay, what you mean. Um, but the thing is, what Which if, is a technicality. What, if, it, he, you know, what if he boots it and then it's like, okay, he... He's there. Maybe Mane wins the ball, but there's still mm. two United players to beat. And it's mm. like, well, okay, it's no longer in a neutral area because it's sort of in United's third. Even though, because to be fair, mm. they were miles out of the box when that mm. it wasn't. It wasn't like they're on the edge of the box or anything. They were still pretty much only just into the United's half. Mm. But it's like then it's like the play may go on for another twenty to thirty seconds, and it's like, well, mm. I understand you got to play the minimum of a minute, but if you're playing. Mm up to a minute 30 just because it's not in that neutral zone and it's like mm. almost like playing it around the box trying to find a way and it's like where do you draw the line so I, I, I don't really blame the ref for just calling it when it was because it was like well it's neutral zone I don't think anyone really anticipated anything to be happening well in that I mean this is the thing is in I think the problem that football has is like for you know as in let's be real there are probably lots of other occasions where you can go on the technicalities of oh well it's a second and uh, they shouldn't blow up and you know like um you see it in the, the you know in in other competitions like it'll get to like ninety plus two and the ref will blow up to say ninety one fifty six for example you know and the ref blows up and you you know you never you never see people kind of kicking off with um uh you know oh we should have had an extra four seconds or whatever but mm. I'm wondering perhaps if the whole kind of you know VAR, and bear with me on this, the kind of pernicketiness, that's a terrible way of putting it, but you know what I mean, the kind of um, okay. accuracy that VAR is going for, you know, as in like we're talking about margins of millimetres or like an armpit here or yeah. offside or, the you know, the ball being, 
over the line by 0.5 millimetres. I wonder perhaps if that's kind of amplified these sort of decisions a little bit perhaps. I guess maybe whereas in the past people would have perhaps just gone, oh, well, it's only five seconds, you know, that that's football, that's what happens sometimes. Now people are kind of kind of picking up on it a bit more. What, what, what do you think about that? Or do you think I that's just a little bit? Um, but I feel like that sort of VAR stigma lends itself to decisions that VAR can correct. I mean, mm. if they start to bring in VAR for, right, we've got to cut it off on the one minute mark, you know oh, what no, I mean? No. You'll be no, having I, balls I, going almost as that. It's like, well, VAR's no, treated to torn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, yeah, I, no, I'm not saying that they should bring VAR in for decisions like that. I just guess mm. what I'm saying is, is that because of the way the VAR is now kind of saying, you know, like definitively... That is an offside. That is not offside based on like millimeters. Yeah. You know, perhaps it's amplified these kind of minor details. You know, these kind of technicalities. Mm. I guess a little bit more. Um, but in all honesty, I think it's just one of those things that happens in football. I'm yeah. sure you could find countless. Uh, and like you said, it's one of those what ifs. Is in you know the way it looked on TV. You're kind of like, oh, well, Mane's in there. But like you said, the, you know, the the rule is play the whistle. As soon as you hear the whistle, yeah, you know. Stopped. People stop playing. So, you know, it'll be one of those we'll never know, I guess. Um, Cool. Um, I guess the next one is uh, another Liverpool-orientated one, and then perhaps we'll move on to uh, some of the United-orientated stuff. Um, So Liverpool played um, Fabinho and Henderson, centre-half, which was... um, And I think, given the circumstances, I think they did all right. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they, they are. I guess I know Fabinho's a defensive midfielder, but Zin Henderson's not a defensive midfielder. He's just a centre mid. Um, and, you know, and it can't be easy. You know, kind of adapting and changing around and um, all that kind of thing. You know, um, and to, you know, for, oh, sorry, go on. To be honest, I I understand that they're not defenders as a first choice position, but these. Mm-hmm players are professionals they are, they are the cream of the crop of footballing ability mm. I don't think that them playing that you know out of position obviously it's not ideal for them but I, I don't think it's as huge or enormous of an issue as it's always being made out to be I know they struggled the other day when I think it was against was it against it wasn't against Villa when they struggled was Southampton. It? I Southampton they struggled in that one a touch. I, to be honest, I didn't watch the game, but that's just what I heard. Mm. Um, but you know what I mean. Oh, was this Southampton? Every, yeah, it was Southampton. Yeah, you're right when you said was that. It? Okay. They lost. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I'm sure Reese Williams played in that game. No, I don't know. Anyway, yeah, Henderson played the centre off recently. Yeah. Um, th- these guys, they can play any position. Anyone can play any position. It's just perhaps they haven't got the qualities in one or two departments, which. Each of the positions kind of maybe requires a little bit more than others. Like, well, I mean, I'm sure them too can do the function of organising, starting the ball up for the back. Perhaps they're just yes. not great sliding tacklers, or perhaps they haven't got the beef and the bulk about them to win the standing. No, challenges. I think I don't think it's. I, I'm sure they're of... competent enough to survive yes. back there. Uh, yeah, I think it's more that it upsets the balance of the team, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Because you know you've got the way that. Henderson plays will be different from how Joel Matic would play, just purely on the basis. Like, for example, you're probably looking at Jordan Henderson, and he's probably looking at the pitch and visualising passes in a different way to Matic would, just because normally Henderson is that much further up the pitch. 
you know, when he's kind of looking for through balls and, you know, like little one-twos and kind of things like that. So, But I, I agree with what you're saying, isn't it? I don't think it's uh, an excuse. I don't like, think you know it's I mean, a... You see, you see guys like Wayne Rooney move from striker to centre mid. Mm. Uh, and you see other guys move from right back to right mid or even conversely the other way. Mm. And I understand that perhaps then it means, okay, they, they don't have all the necessary qualities to play in those positions. But mm. at the end of the day, they're all professional footballers. If you can't play the majority of the positions. I mean, I'm thinking Pep Guardiola on occasion said, oh, I'll play Edison in midfield. I think you've got to be capable to do that in, at this level of the game. And I agree. I'm sure they're but, okay. But if I said to you that for the next, I don't know, four weeks, your starting centre-half partnership is going to be Scott McTominay and Paul Pogba... To be fair, I don't think he played Paul Pogba. I think he probably put someone a little bit more defensive or with a bit more effort level about him. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's not ideal. No. But, but at the same time, you go, okay, he can still do the function. He, he could. He, mm. Obviously, he's not going to be as good defensively as Harry Maguire, but he can still do the function. I, 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 I don't think it's an enormous drop-off in quality, I wouldn't say. Obviously, it is from Van I mean, Dyke because Van Dyke's the cream of the cream. Yes, I, I think I think um, that's the problem. That, isn't yeah. I think I don't know. I I think more than anything, it seems to upset Liverpool's balance a bit. I think what we're kind of seeing is how. I think the main thing, or one of the main things, is that you know, obviously, when Van Dyke is there, you know, the the I guess the wing backs probably feel they have a bit more freedom to kind of bomb forward just because. Van Dyke is generally very top dominant, um, along with Joe Gomez. But obviously, as soon as you're playing Henderson there, you know, I guess it's not necessarily like, a, oh, Henderson's there, we must be more defensive. But I guess in the back of your mind, you're kind of thinking, oh, is Hendo going to get to that? You know, Van Dyke is, but is Hendo going to get to that? He's not but quite is that as just fast. Purely pay, yeah. But that's the thing. That's just that's just an individual quality that, uh, that you know, that's like preference. Whatever. But you know, like if you think like, oh. I'd much rather have Fabinho playing CDM than, say, uh, Gabriel Ogbonna of West Ham. I, I, I feel like it, when you're at those top clubs, I feel like I'm more than more than happy for those guys to be playing those positions. It just it just generally isn't ideal for those individuals who've got to play in those ones. Cause like, oh, I'm out of position. And I think, I think I agree with you to a certain extent because I think against, say, Southampton when they did it, I thought, well, a little bit odd, but, you know, perhaps, well, as it turns out, I didn't, you know, we didn't win, but as in against certain opposition, you're kind of like, okay, we'll accept it. But against United, you want your best oh, yeah. centre backs playing rather yeah, than centre mid. I mean, the, I guess to the be discussion, honest, they didn't really well, get, they didn't even get troubled in that game against United. I mean, no, Rashford no. decided to play offside for half of it, and well, the rest this is, of the time United didn't really I mean. attack them. And I guess this is what I'm saying is, and I think they did all right. You know, as in Fernandez is um, arguably one of the best attacking mid slash central midfielders in the league at the moment. And he had an absolute um, stinker. Well, he, he did yesterday, but you know, up until yesterday, he's been one of the better ones. Mm. Um, but I guess my discussion was, I, I guess you've kind of answered this already, but is it, I, I, I don't know how I feel about playing players out of position when you have got players in that position already, if that makes sense. Like, I know, I know they're limited options, but like, for example, Reese Williams has played, he's actually played all right since he's been, he's come in for Liverpool, you know, he's fairly young. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a bit of a tricky one. I think um, I can see why Klopp didn't do it because I think it would be. You know, oh yeah, for the occasion. Into the, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like the same way. I'm not surprised he didn't start Curtis Jones. I think. 
Yeah, even though yeah, Shakiri and uh, Klopp didn't like Shakiri, like he does, he's not he's not in favour with him hugely. Not massively, no. And I'm not surprised Klopp went well. I play Shakiri over Curtis Jones. Bit more it's experience, just, yeah. It's the level of the occasion. You got to have mm. a bit of experience for those big rivalry games, mm. and you know you get caught out. You'd be shown up. I mean, if anything, it'll do more damage to some players to play in those games mm. because they they won't be able to forget it. The fans. Um, whether it's their own team or the other team, will always sort of abuse them for it going there forward. Like, you know what mm. I mean? If if um, Curtis Jones comes on and does what Gerrard did against Chelsea when he slipped, it's like he's never mm. living that down. He's got a yeah, long way to go. Yeah, that's his career set, and, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, everyone will know he's the guy, he's slippy. You know? well, it's a little um, bit like Phil Jones, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, he did that from a young age, so it's like what is always yeah. on him now. Even though, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't have said he's that bad of a centre-back he just makes some strange decisions on occasion but that's the yeah. thing people get brandished with them otherwise um, so I'm not surprised he hasn't played them um, right you mentioned Fernandes had a bit of a stinker mm-hmm. um, you know so I think I read a start the scene against the top six sides um, you know he has one goal which was a penalty and zero assists um, yeah, well, that's because you United think... have only scored one total. Well, that's true. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. But do you but, think? Yeah. Do you think teams go in with a mindset of, you know, if you stop Fernandez, you stop United a little bit? Um, you know, I I don't. Um, only because I wouldn't have said they man mark him or anything in particular. No, I don't. I wouldn't say I they just, man mark him. I just feel like the way United set up when they play big teams is like, mm. oh, we've got an opportunity to play the counter attack in football, which we're pretty good at. Mm. Um, and they go, I mean, you saw. I don't know if you saw the average positions for that game against Liverpool, but I think only I Rashford know. was uh, average position was in your half. Everybody really? else right. was in the own half. So it, they very much just set up in a way. It's so different to it was- any. Yeah, it's game plan play rather than, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. It's all about the game plan. Yeah, and I mean, I I don't know what it is with Fernandez, and I've seen him a few times, and I think he is good. Um, for me though, I think it's not so much his ability, but it, he just seems to have a very good mindset, and I think as a result, he kind of drags the bit. As in, you just have mm-hmm. to look at how Paul Pogba's improved since Fernandez has been there. As in Paul Pogba nowadays actually look. Actually, looks like a half decent central midfielder compared to before Fernandez joined. I think, um, and I don't. Perhaps he just gives everyone that little bit of confidence. Um, yeah, to be guess, fair, you could see you see that when he got the subs when he got substituted at the end of the game, he wasn't yeah. happy, and I love that. I just love yeah. someone who's willing to give oh, it. Do you and what? Go, I it want d- to stand it, on this pitch. <laughs> do you know what? It does my head in. Like there've been a couple of times where like Manny's been subbed off, and he has a bit of a paddy, and people go, "Oh, there's unrest at Liverpool." It's like. No, he's just livid that he's come off, and that's a yeah. good thing. If he just came off smiling and waving, you'd be like, hang on a second. I, I tell you what, off. though, I did enjoy that Wijnaldum was almost trying to tease Fernandez, saying, oh, you should, should get off, you've been subbed and all that. And he was like, no, I want to stay on. Because obviously <laughs> it was the same moment where Tomine was going off um, yeah. and went down. Injured. And then Wijnaldum gets brought off as a sub, literally about five seconds later, and it's almost like, oh, you got the laugh last, last yeah. laugh there, didn't you? Um, but, yeah. I think uh, in the end, I think Klopp went for the draw, to be honest, at that yeah. point. I think uh, to be honest, I enjoyed that Ollie thought, let's bring on Greenwood. <laughs> let's go for a win. I thought, gosh, yeah. here we go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but yeah I, I, you know, and I think um, it was interesting because there's, there's a, you know, like when they were talking, I think it might have been Arsenal. Yeah, it was Arsenal before. And bear with me on this. They said that, um, you know, like they said, how it was a bit of a domino effect in that the midfield 
don't pass the ball forward to Aubameyang because he's not making the runs. But then Aubameyang doesn't make the runs because there's such a huge gap between the midfield. He's not expecting it. Yeah. And I wonder perhaps if Fernandez has basically filled that kind of little function for United where, you know, perhaps before Martial would be trying to get the, you know, come in in front of the defenders with his back to goal to get the ball. And now he thinks, right, well, if Bruno's getting it, I'm going to run in behind because that ball's coming. Yeah, yeah. So I wonder perhaps if he's kind of filled that role a little bit for United. Um, but yeah, he seems to have had a... Don't get me wrong, he is a quality footballer, but I think for me it's the uh, it's the kind of mental... The, the impact it's had on United's mentality, I think, is the uh, the interesting effect. So speaking of Martial that you did then, I haven't put it in our notes, but mm-hmm. I thought hit... Well... You can notice why French players seem to come to the Premier League and struggle. Mm. And it's because they are by far the laziest footballers on the pitch. Like they yeah. get away with it in the French national side because all of them do it and they're all really skillful and that's how they get yeah. away with it. But my goodness, it was frustrating watching him. There was one bit where he, he couldn't have been more than five metres away from, I think it was Thiago with the ball. And... You know, a few of the United guys were up. And Thiago was pretty much just jogging with the ball towards, you know, the United guys. And there was no one really in between. And Martial literally was like, oh, I'm going to pretend to jog back. And he he was going slower than Thiago, even though Thiago had the ball. And he was looking around. I was like, oh, my goodness. I was so glad when I brought him off. Like, I know I said before when Josh was on and he was saying how uh, the people who's in that group chat with were talking about different United players. And the only thing I agreed with what they were saying was the fact that Martial's lazy. And my goodness. Oh, I was just like, bring him off. Absolutely nothing. He doesn't contribute nothing when we haven't got the ball. (laughs) It was just beyond frustrating. Well, and the thing is as well, as in, you can sometimes forgive that if a striker is like lethal in front of goal. But Mm. as in Martial's not. No. I I think like I just think back to the United Liverpool game January last year. United had that big chance. They cross it into the box. Um, Martial is almost one on one, and he blazes it over the bar. And you're kind of like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a little bit. I don't know. I've always questioned a little bit about Martial. I'm, I've I've never really rated him to be honest. I don't think I don't think he puts enough graft in. Is it? Let me. I don't know. Perhaps as a United yeah, fan, you correct fair, me. To be fair, Liverpool players, Klopp doesn't buy lazy guys. He buys no. guys that are literally going to run their socks off. Yeah. And that starts at the top with Firmino all the way down, and mm. that's really nice to see. And United mm. don't do that. They buy the players. Uh, before the grafters, in a sense. And mm. to, to be honest, he does come up clutch on the odd occasion, and he can score mm. some beautiful is it, goals. Is it, is it enough, but, though? Oh, to, to be honest, he's a, it's about 60% of the games he does good in. Mm. But any game we don't have the ball, he is literally you know, as useful as a corner flag to United. He doesn't do anything. He just literally walks around like, oh, I don't know what to do. It's like, mate, you're playing left mid. If you're playing left mid, you've got to help the left back in these scenarios. And Mm. he just sort of doesn't. He's like, no, not not my responsibility. Uh, Do you think think there's an element of if United had played Cavani yesterday, they would have had a bit more of an out? You know, like Uh, you said, that they were kind of a bit, not necessarily defensive, but conservative then, should we say, in the first half. I can understand why they didn't play Cavani because the way Oli has been setting up against top six teams is to play counter-attacking football mm. and that all centres around Rashford playing through the middle because mm. he has to be the pace for people to run into. Um, so I, I don't know if Cavani has that to him. To be fair. I haven't seen much of him playing yet. Okay, in the fair United. enough. 
But you know what I mean? Even if you're starting Dan James, just somebody who's going to put the an ounce of graft together. Mm. Like, people say, oh, Dan James is a bit of a bust on occasion because he makes the odd mistake. But my goodness, Martial gets away with it because he never gets, never does anything to make a mistake. It's like, oh, it's very easy to get away with it then, actually. Um, so, yeah, yeah it's, and it's, it's like I said, you can almost forgive that if he was prolific in front of goal or he was really creative you know like Messi's a little bit like that as in Messi's not exactly the hardest worker defensively but he offers so much going forward that you almost forgive it a little bit whereas yeah. Martial doesn't seem to he, for me he, he's again he's a good player I don't think he does quite enough to warrant the amount of walking that he does no, no. Um, I, 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 to be honest I don't think any player apart from your Messi's your Ronaldo's those seriously top tier talents can get away with doing nothing no, uh, no, no, just for their attacking output, and t- Martial far and away is not even close to touching the feet of those no, players no, in terms no. of what he can do. So no. yeah, it, yeah, he's another one which is a little bit frustrating. Fair enough. Um, right, we've already discussed Salison and De Gea, haven't we? Because I said that yeah. earlier, you know. Um, right, this is an interesting one. So I saw a stat that this time last year. Uh, Liverpool played United. They won and went 30 points clear at the top. Um, And this year in the same fixture, a draw means that United stay three points ahead of Liverpool. So the question is, are Liverpool 27 points worse or are United 33 points better than this time last year? To which you answer with... (laughs) I did put both in that mix. (laughs) A bit of a tongue-in-cheek comment. But but what I I will say is United were better in the second half of last year, which is why we caught up. Um, I don't know if we actually caught up, but why we had a decent end and not a good Mm. start, which is why we were so far behind at this stage. Mm. Um, But... See, I'd then, probably say United are about fit, 10 points of performance better, but that Liverpool team far and away is not playing anywhere close to no, what they're playing. No, I, I think it's more... I would say it's kind of like 70-30, the 70% being Liverpool of not as good and the yeah, 30% be fair, being that United have improved. <laughs> for Liverpool to be as good means they have to win every single game about dropping a point. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. that wasn't on the agenda. I don't think anybody was... No, I, I, yeah, and I guess that, that's interesting, actually, is in... In order to be equal to last year, they have to be perfect. Yeah, like, like <laughs> even if it, even crazy. if you would, you know, even if at the end of that game it was like, oh, uh, it was only you know Liverpool now lead the you know by just fifteen points rather than thirty. Like, are United fifteen better or Liverpool fifteen worse? I think everyone's like, well, there's fifteen, <laughs> and the fact that the last is basically it's fifteen from perfection. Mm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, can't really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean you're not perfect? <laughs> yeah. Liverpool and Man City both used to just shred people up, and I, mm. I feel like they haven't got that ability as such. Anymore. You know, it's not quite well, at the moment. As much. Yeah, not I mean, for City li- is starting Liverpool. to find it again. Um, but but it, then they've it definitely to adapt. feels like even when even when these teams are winning, Liverpool's and the Cities, it's more your one nilers, your two nilers. I know you shredded up Crystal Palace the other day, mm, but apart yeah. from that, it, it's much more a grind of a game now. Yeah, and I mean. It's um, you know you say United uh, sorry, City is starting to find that form. They've had to adapt how they play to find that as well. So mm-hmm. it's interesting, you know, it'll be interesting to see what Klopp does in the next couple of weeks now because Liverpool uh, needs to kind of kick on a bit. Um, so yeah, you've you've raised an in- sorry moving on from that. You've raised an interesting point about United. I'm just reading it here. Um, I don't know whether you want to pose the question. Yeah. So with United. Being 
outside, and I said outside contenders for the title, even though we're in, even though we're first place in the Premier League, uh, on right, um, uh, even though yeah we're outside contenders for the title, is it a result of United just always having the resources to go out and buy and buy and buy and keep trying to rectify it until eventually a solution like Fernandez comes along, mm. or is it down to the fact that they've kept a lot of those players that were there in the Fergie years and they've sort of brought through a lot of the youth academy who obviously would have been developing under those Fergie years? And is it sort of that Man United core identity coming through again? Because you see players like Greenwood, Rashford, and mm. McTominay, they, they're obviously from the mm. system. Um, mm. And obviously you've still got... I mean, I was thinking which players were still there from the United era, and I thought the only one which really comes to mind was Phil Jones. I don't think he's really the identity. But yeah, yeah, De Gea was there, wasn't he? Yeah, so you have some of those guys, the backbones. Yeah. Mm. So you've got some of those backbone guys still there, and it's like, well, yeah, I just just wanted to pose the question. Is it uh, just money? Can I I give a cop-out answer? Go on. It's both. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you why I think it's both. I mean, you may correct me on this again. I'm a Liverpool fan. You're a United fan. But I think um, Fernandez has been huge for United. Absolutely mm. massive. As in, you know, I think Fernandez for United is a little bit what Suarez was like for Liverpool. As in, like, a, just, just a spark, you know, something that kind of... Not only is he good in his own right, but he kind of makes those around him good. Mm-hmm. Um so I think there is that, but and I think it's kind of tied into the whole kind of bringing academy players through McTominay, Rashford, Greenwood. I think uh, Solskjaer, you know, I, I'm personally I'm of the opinion that I don't. Sorry, Solskjaer is also a Fergie player, which also well, helps the yes. narrative. But I, I think I still don't think that Solskjaer is like an incredible tactician or anything like that. But the one thing I think that he has done which the Man United managers before him failed to do, is install a good mentality. Yeah. Um, as in, he, he get like, his players work for him, and I think that's partly because, you know, players like McTominay, Rashford, Greenwood, they've all had to work to get to their positions in the squad. You know, so, and I think part of the problem that United had before that was that, you know, you had players like, you know, and I, I know it's a bit of a cliche, but you had Paul Pogba, who, you know, he's one of those players who would just walk into the team because he's Paul Pogba. Mm-hmm. You know, now they're kind of sat there like, oh, well, McTominay's not this global superstar and he starts. So if yeah. I don't perform well, I'm not going to play. So I think it's a bit of a combination of both, to be honest. I think, and, you know, it sounds a bit stupid because I think obviously a combination is the ideal scenario, isn't it? But I think, I think there's an element of United did this kind of continuous spending, spending, spending thing and it didn't work. Um, you know, when you think about how much United have spent up until now, you know, we'll say kind of before Solskjaer, if you think of like up to the end of Mourinho's time, it's a oh, scary yeah. amount. It's a scary amount of money that United spent, and they okay, Mourinho well, won a League Cup, but as in we've had know, Lukaku, Di Maria, Suarez, Zlatan Ibrahimovic. It's like these aren't small name players. Did you say Suarez then? Yes. I think I said. I think I went to. Did I say Ibrahimovic? Yeah. 
Lukaku, Su- oh, not Suarez, Sanchez, sorry. Two S's, <laughs> two Z's. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we spent big on some big name players and yeah. not very many of them have worked. Um, no. Well, like you well, think, you, you you know, you've, you've spent like 30 million on Lindelof, um, 30 million on Luke Shaw. And I'm not saying these, are, I'm not necessarily saying these are bad investments, but it's just a lot of money spent. So you've got Lindelof, 30 million, Shaw for 30 million. Wan was about 50-odd. Wan was 50, but that was a sort Maguire of... Maguire was 90-odd. Yeah, then you've got... Um, oh, who was I thinking of then? Fred for uh, 50. Eric Bailly. Eric Bailly was like 35 million. Fred was um, 50. Fred was so, 50. <laughs> that yeah. is the most outrageous Matic, Matic, Matic was a load of money. So it's in, you've spent 30, a lot yeah. and a lot and a lot of money, and I think perhaps Solskjaer's been the one to do, go, no, do you know what? That doesn't. It's not getting us anywhere. To be fair, it, it is the accumulation of lots of, you know, obviously the big sums, but the 30, you know mm. what I mean? It's the accumulation over time. But we do sell a lot of it back, but not all of it, which is, yeah. No. But of course, so, United are never going to have that issue. So I guess, uh, like I said, cop out, I think it's both. Yeah. Interesting what you're saying about Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, um, mm. not being the tactician, but more the sort of personality and the... Mm. I'm not going to say grit because he doesn't look like the sort of guy who has grit. Although some mm. of the uh, players have said that he does let off steam on the players if they're doing bad. Oh yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I'm not saying he, I'm not saying he's a, a no a pushover. No, but uh, he, he seems to be very much in the um, you know yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go on. What's, what's your question? But, but um, interestingly, the NFL's in a period of lots of head coaches um, getting fired and hired. Um, and a few of the guys in particular getting hired aren't there based on their tactical nous. No. Like a lot of them will get hired from positions like linebacker uh, coach or something like that. Who's not, you know, it's not even like one of the main three as in a head coach and offensive coordinator or defense coordinator. Mm. These are coming from like the one of the back guys. <clears throat> and it's because of their character as such. Like um, the Jets just signed... Um, I think it's Robert Salah or Sailor. I can't remember how you say yeah, his yeah. name. Um, and to be fair, he's a very good defensive coordinator. But one of the key things about it is he just gets absolutely amped up on the sideline, and the players love playing for him. And you just mm. find in a lot of these teams that are trying to almost rebuild, they can't re- uh, rebuild on a personality like Adam Gase, who was the Jets' coordinator, um, head coach, and he is mm. uh, apparently a great offensive mind because he's got you know, the personality of a fish. It's like, you really, no one cares, you know, what he says or what he does because nobody respects him because he's just like a really bland flower, you know, nah. But you see a guy like Robert Salah go in there. And, and you want to play for him. He goes crazy on the sideline. He's like yeah. jumping around. He's, to be fair, he's built like a tank as well. So I think yeah. everyone's like, yeah, when they see him. But, um <laughs> You know what I mean? That that sort of perhaps that is coming out a little bit for some you know crossing sports into like mm. the Premier League because I mean, maybe I mean I'm not going to say Oli Gunnar Solskjaer is some absolute tank of a human with big muscles and all that which yeah. I was yeah but um, perhaps he does bring a bit more of that Figueira character to the well um, I mean the team. I mean, for me, if you look at Liverpool, there's an element to that about like when yeah. Jurgen Klopp joined. Klopp's got the when, combo of both, which is good. Yeah, combos, <laughs> but 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 certainly when he joins, in I think Klopp knew when he joined, he didn't have the quality of players to be competing. But I think he thought, right, well, if I can get these guys motivated, you know, as in, yeah, and I think it's just a change of mindset, which I think, and I think that's been the biggest change with United over the past two years. I don't think they've necessarily got more quality than they've had. 
you know, I'd argue that on paper they've potentially got, you know, less qualities. And, you know, mm-hmm. when you think of some of the players that have come and gone, you know, as in, in terms of just being a striker, Lukaku is more prolific than Martial or Rashford, for example. But Solskjaer has managed to get... More out Martial. of those. Not, not Martial, but he's managed to get the majority of his players running for him, which, the, you know, Mourinho didn't manage... Van Hal certainly didn't manage, and David Moyes didn't manage. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there we are. Those are my thoughts. Um, yeah, I could put something qu- out. Yeah, well, go on. <laughs> I was only shocked because it, when when I looked at the Premier League table before I was doing this, I was like, Liverpool are fourth. <laughs> Liverpool are yeah. fourth after eighteen games, and they could be fifth if Everton mm. win their game in hand. I think it's against Villa, yeah. so obviously that's touch and go. Mm-hmm. But they're four points off first. Their defence is a bit of a concern. The attack can't seem to score. And it's like, mm. obviously, they come into this season off the back of, you know, an insane season. Mm. So, I mean, after 18 games, you can't, you know, obviously you can't, you know, it's a very tight situation. But, mm. you know what I mean? They're there on merit at the moment. They've, you know, obviously, yeah. it's tongue in cheek. I'm not, not just trying to rouse it because, oh, I'm United fan, no. look how Liverpool are. But they're I mean, fourth at this stage. Is this like, at what point does it become... Oh gosh, this this could this could quite quickly go wrong because you know what I mean. What you want is a little bit of a buffer. Everybody wants a bit I mean, of a buffer. I yeah, I get what you're saying. I think there's an element to which the look the Southampton game was a stinker. I don't mm. think there's any doubt about that. Um, the West Brom game was always going to be difficult. One of the first ones that Sam Allardyce was back as West Brom manager, and you know you I I, I reckon if you look to the statistics, whenever a team sacks a manager and gets a new manager. One of the first results they have with the new manager, or the first couple of results, are fairly positive, mm-hmm. um, relative to what they were before. Obviously, um, who did they play before that? I'm who trying now? to think now. Yeah, West Liverpool. Brown. No, oh, Liverpool. Um, I can't remember now. I, I honestly can't remember. But okay. yeah, I think it's, you know, and I, I mean, the one positive I would say against uh, about Liverpool is that they weren't. I don't think they were bad against United. No, um, no, you know, were, I, 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 yeah, I don't think you looked at that game and you thought, "Gosh, Liverpool did well to get a draw," or you know they were dominated, or um, you know, as in like let's not forget the first time Liverpool United played last season they drew, mm-hmm. and look at the look at the golf in the teams at that point. So I don't think yesterday would have yeah been rivalry as much games. Of, yeah, they're always yeah. going to be tight, but it was just I more the case of the fact that they were fourth in the league and. It, Mm. They they weren't well. They were leading in goals scored, but now that that's drying up, now mm. it should start to become a bit like a oh. Well, I mean, I mean, I said earlier in the season, I don't think Liverpool have finished top four. I love his tongue in cheek, um, but but they're on. You know, so, some that the Man United and Man City are first and second. And obviously, it's very tight still, so it doesn't really count. But mm. it's I ju- obviously. No, I'm not going to say that because that would just be pointless. Because I was going to say, oh, is you know, obviously Klopp will keep his job. I don't think, I don't think anybody in their slightest mind thinks Klopp is ever going to lose his job at Liverpool. Well, I mean, but, but it's just couple... what can they do to change it up? Well, I think the big thing for Liverpool right now is that Jota is potentially coming back at the start of February, which mm-hmm. can't come soon enough. Because let's not forget that at the start of the season, Jota was our you know our you, best attacking not, player. Are you a little bit concerned though that Jota is the spark for Liverpool? Only. No. Considering you've got Mane, Salah and Firmino. No, because I think these sort of things go in cycles. You know, you look at, like, for example, you could turn around to City and say, are you not concerned that 
Gabriel Jesus is your best striker when Aguero is out of form. I think these things go in cycles. And for me, what this season is demonstrating is that Liverpool just don't have enough depth. When Liverpool could do with swapping out Roberto Firmino because he's not scoring enough goals and the alternative is Divock Origi, you're going to struggle, I think. Um, I think there's an element to which I think last season we were very fortunate with injuries. You know, as in we didn't really have any... I think the only significant injuries we had... Henderson was out for a couple at the end, but by that point the league was done. Um, Fabinho missed a, f- a fair chunk, but we managed to deal without without um, Fabinho. And Alisson was injured for the first, I think it was like 10 weeks or something like that. Yeah. But apart from that, we barely had anything. Whereas this season, it's almost been the opposite. You know, we've had injuries kind of left, right and centre. Um, so I think... It doesn't concern me that Jota, you know, I think Jota's, even in the short time that he's been in Liverpool, I think he's clearly shown that he's a very good player. Um, but I think really what he's shown is that Liverpool need to invest a bit of money, I think. Um, yeah, a bit more depth, perhaps. Yeah. Like, yeah, not, you know. Not, like when not you just for the purpose of giving players rest or because of injuries, but just to give a bit few more options. Like you see that yes. with City, they, yes, get, they buy every single type of winger you can imagine you know, to play yeah. any single type of formation. As in want. like City City win the league with um Sane and Sterling as the wingers and you're like, oh well Sterling and uh, Sane are the best wingers in the league and then City go, Yeah, we'll get Riyad Mahrez as an alternative and you're kind of like yeah. what? Well, Whereas that was Liverpool because Sane was injured, wasn't it? And well it was that's like, the thing. Liverpool <laughs> Liverpool don't have those kind of options. As in as soon as you know, Liverpool have the option where if one gets injured, then we can put somebody else in. Mm. But we don't have anyone else where you think, right, we need somebody to come on now and make an instant change to the game. To, Which to is what honest, Jota was I, doing at the start of the season, but obviously he's been injured. I, I, I mentioned this to you about two years ago, I think, when mm. you won the Champions League. I said, mm. OK, you've won the Champions League. But I said, you've got to think forward because mm. that team's not the youngest. Obviously, the defence is pretty young. But mm. Mane, Firmino and Salah, I think, are all post-25. I think Mane... Sorry, I think Salah may even be close to 30-ish now. Am I right in mm. saying that? Um, yeah, I think he's like 29, So you've always got to be forward planning. I feel like Fergie did that pretty well when he you know, when he signed Rooney, when he started Van Nistelrooy. You know what I mean? He did that with quite a few players mm. where he bought, bought them in early. So do, do you think Liverpool might splurge I, out in well, next summer? I was wonder? about to say, I think... To be honest with you, I think Liverpool would have invested more had we not had COVID. I think oh, okay. I don't think it was a case of they thought, oh, well, we want to keep all of our money. But I think they thought, well, it's a little bit unpredictable at the moment. We've just won the league. Um, perhaps we'll just kind of see how it goes kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, we get Thiago in for like 25 mil and we get Jota for, I think it was like 41 million or something like that, which it is a lot of money. But for the champions of England, you know, it's not a huge amount. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if come the summer we see more signings, not necessarily you know selling Salah or anything like that, but you know just. I was going to ask you about that. Then would you consider that, or do you uh, think that is just no. absolutely the wrong direction of? I think that's the going? I think that's the wrong direction because I think as soon as you do that, Liverpool... but it does send a message then to all the other players like shape up a little bit because we're happy to sell. Salah. Yeah, I mean, you think time, I'm not though. saying Fabinho or Henderson's playing bad, but if you know, if they ever were to sort of slack off, I'm not saying they would. Mm. You know what I mean? It always puts that impetus, like, okay, this at the end of the day, this is this is Liverpool. 
this isn't Henderson United or oh, as I said, United. Liverpool haven't got a second name, but mm. it's not. It's not just the Henderson team or the Fabino team or mm. the Salah team. It, this is Liverpool, and it's like the, the team, mm. the, the club itself, is bigger than the players in it. So you've always I, got to be yeah. thinking forward. I, I I don't think they would do that because I think Klopp has got them. He's got them in the right mindset as it is. Yeah, fair enough. I don't. I don't think you're ever going to have Salah not working for you. Or players like Liverpool players not working for you, mm-hmm. um, and I think Liverpool have gone down the path previously where they've been like, "Oh well, statistically this player is better than this player, therefore we should get them." And I think there's an element which is like, "No, you've got to have a balance between what's good now and what is going to be good. You can't mm-hmm. just go right we're going because like I remember for for ages Liverpool had a sign-in policy of like, "Oh yeah, oh, that they have to be under twenty-one." They have to be under 21, they have to have done this, they have to have done that. And you're kind of like, that's not how football works. It's not a, you know... It's not a numbers game. No, it's, it's not a numbers game. It's an game. Sometimes, game. It's sometimes it's like, you just got to watch the players play, and if they're playing well, you invest. Thiago is the perfect example of that. If you're going on age, you would never buy Thiago, because he's like 29, 30. Mm. But you watch Thiago play, and you think, he is quality. We, we want that player. If so you want to win now, you've got to have a mix of yes. lots of different age groups. Because you can't, so I can't have constant overturn like in one I, season everyone goes, but continuously I wouldn't be surprised if the investments in the summer would be in like younger players, not necessarily yeah. like seventeen year olds, but you know, sort of like twenty to twenty five. But yeah, I guess we'll see how that goes. Mm. Um, there we are. Right, so that's the end of Liverpool United talk. That was fairly substantial. We've been nearly nearly an hour talking about that, and I enjoyed was, that. I enjoyed it was that. A solid discussion. Um, I guess we're kind of sticking with the United a little bit. As we said at the start, Wayne Rooney um, has retired from football completely now. So he's a... He's as a player. Derby count- yes. Yeah, as a player. He's, <laughs> as a player. He's, uh, no, he's just left the sport. We'll never see him again. No, he's um, he's Derby County boss. Um, I th- I, and, you know, I thought we could just do a little dissection of his career, to be honest. Because even as a Liverpool fan, I'm, I'm a bit of a fan of Wayne Rooney's. Um, I'm sure there are some Liverpool fans out there who will have just uh, their jaws will have hit the floor a little bit. Um, but yeah, as a United fan, what are your thoughts on Wayne Rooney? I really like him. Um, yeah, I think as a player, he summed up what every team, what every player rather should do. Like right. I don't think you ever saw Wayne Rooney give less than a hundred percent. No, and he always was he he played the style of football that was very Mm. beneficial to his career because it wasn't based on speed um it wasn't 100% based on skill or power or just being a big guy he just had a little bit of everything but at the same time was I mean he was absolutely ruthless but he Mm. he just always gave effort and yeah I I really liked him I I mean obviously as a United fan I was going to but he he always came up big in the big moments I mean that bicey against City I feel like even considering what um, Wayne Rooney did for United, and you just look at some of his numbers. We'll kind of dissect them a little bit in a minute, but I feel like a lot of United fans kind of always bang on about David Beckham, Ryan Giggs, Ronaldo, and Rooney seems to almost get brushed under the rug a little bit. Considering what he achieved, you know, as in like Wait, Wayne be... Rooney was almost the torchbearer for a small period of time. Because yeah. it was the sort of um, class of 92 for ages. 
and Rooney came in towards the end of that, or maybe mm. even right at the prime of it when it was on the second half almost, mm. where like Bex had left, Nicky Butt wasn't around anymore. Um, yeah, you still had like Phil Neville and Skulls, and you. Uh, yeah, sorry, Phil Neville was probably about to ditch I mean, it to Gary Everton, and, yeah, Gary and Skulls and Giggs were still mm. there, and it was like gradually one by one they were going away, but Rooney came in, and he was sort of the torchbearer, um, and then, so in a sense they were still the line, you know, the big piece. Rooney came in, and obviously he was a huge part of that United team, mm. but then Ronaldo came in, and then you had Tevez and Berbatov, and it's like, well, he 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 was never there. He's never like what. Um, I think if we have like Fernandez is to United now, he's never, he has been obviously that he's been as important to us as Fernandez, but mm. in a sense, Fernandez is the player at Man United at the moment where nobody mm. else, you know, if you take Fernandez out of that team, that team stinks. But mm. I don't think you'd ever take Wayne Rooney out of any of the United teams and think it's going to stink because they've always had world class talent around mm. him. But mm. well, and it's interesting you say that actually because the, the statistics would f- reflect that a little bit, I guess, but um. Yeah, we'll kind of we'll delve into that, and I mean, you know, what were your thoughts when Everton left United? Uh, Everton, come on, Jack, get your words out. When Wayne Rooney left United to go to Everton, you know, not that long ago, what what were your feelings then? Um, I really didn't mind. <laughs> no, I thought he's he's done his stint at United, record appearance holder, I think, or if he's not, it's Bobby Charlton, but he's definitely yeah. right, you know, second. He's, if he's not. Same for the goals. He's either first or second. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, he did his stint. He suffered it under Moyes. Um, mm. And I think he was there all the way up to Van Hal before he left. Yeah. And it's like, he didn't leave us when the going you know, when the going got tough. He was there. I think he just left yeah. him a bit after because he was a bit old. Um, but, you know, he came from Everton. He still has the accent. He's mm. always supported Everton as his, you know, first and foremost club. And, yeah. You know, I, I don't blame him for leaving. And I... I there's no animosity about the way he left either. You see some people leave and you're like, oh, mm. you know, Lampard went to City and then I just felt weird. You know what I yeah. mean? I, it's yeah, not I such get... as bad when mm. you see guys like Skull, um, sorry, Gerard go off to the MLS because it doesn't matter. But no. even though Rooney went to Everton, that's the club he came from. There's, you know what I mean? It's almost There's, like yeah. a, a friendliness of, you know, homecoming. Yeah, yeah, I get what you mean. It wasn't a case of he left United to go to anybody. It was like, well, I'm leaving United. I'm going back to my home club. Yeah. Um, whereas, like you said, like Lampard left Chelsea and then went to City, and you, and you, as a Chelsea fan, you must have been kind of like, well, hang on a second, like he's this is our club hero. Yeah. And he's just gone to play for one of our if rivals. You, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you didn't yeah. want to play for us, why are you playing for them? It's like. Yeah. 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 Mm. But yeah, I, I didn't really have any issue with it. No. Fair enough. Fair enough. Can't argue with that. Um, I guess you know we can talk a little bit about the the golden generation in inverted commas, you know, because you know you had kind of. Uh, you know, we're talking about Gerard Scholes, Lampard, Ferdinand, uh, Terry, Beckham, and the greatest of all time, James Milner. <laughs> um, you know, Wayne Rooney. <laughs> Sorry? He's not old enough to be in that generation, is he? Milner? Yeah, of course he is. Do you reckon? Yeah, James Milner was uh, in amongst that little uh, group of players. Why? I didn't realise that. I remember Owen Hargreaves. Well, as in, as in James Milner's probably about 34 now, so he would have been, you know... He's yeah. probably like three or four years younger than oh, okay. Gerald would have been. But uh, yeah, okay. But yeah, the golden generation's more for the the real premier ones. But yeah, carry on. How dare you discuss <laughs> James Milner in such horrific words? Um, yeah, but do you think anyone else in that generation achieved more than Wayne Rooney did? Because um, you know, like I think obviously if you go in purely on um, 
silverware. I think the only ones that, well, obviously Skulls because he played for United. Yeah. Um, and Ferdinand to extend and, and, well, and, um, and also Beckham. But as in, you know, yeah. you, um, Lampard and Terry, you know, they won quite a bit of silverware at Chelsea. Gerard's not so much. <laughs> Um, to, to be you honest, know, you could almost for each of them go for something a little bit different, in mm. the sense that Gerard and Lampard, they are bigger cult heroes at Chelsea and Liverpool than you, Rooney is at United. Yeah. Rooney, by far, is an exceptional player, and I think every Man United fan ever will Would say that. Yeah. Right at the top tier of players to have played, but I think what Lampard and Gerard did for Chelsea, and Liverpool. I think they they've got a bit more of a cult status about them. And yes. w- when you look at Beckham and what he's done internationally, not just for him as a personal guy, but for the nation in general in terms of mm. how much interest and like in the he's NLS, like an ambassador yeah. for everything pretty much now. Well yeah, and he's, he basically created American football as in before David Beckham went to LA Galaxy, like we were kind of all over you like Americans play football? Like, yeah, what? exactly. You wouldn't have known any of the teams. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. But that's the thing. So he's done a lot on that side of things. Um, to be fair, oh, I don't really know what Terry... Because in a sense, I feel like Lampard's always had that cult status yeah. more than Terry. Yeah. I mean, Terry's sort of his wingman through the whole thing. Mm. Um, so he sort of falls into that category. But Rooney, Skulls and Ferdinand were kind of just like three of the main pillars for that Man United well, team and for such a long period. I mean, I guess the thing is as well, is like, I, you know, I get what you're saying, is in Gerrard is respected not for necessarily his trophies. Um, well, to be fair, Gerrard won more Champions Leagues than all of them. Oh, exactly. Which, oh, yeah. oh look, yeah. look, don't get me wrong. Gerrard didn't exactly, it's not like he had a bad career. No, but as in, you know, when game when, guy, which is y- kind of always fun. Yeah, but like when you kind of, well, and the thing is as well, I think he probably would have won a Premier League trophy if he'd had, the right players around him at certain points. Yeah, but, exactly, yeah. But as in, you know, as in, like, Gerard is respected. If you look at his individual achievements, you know, as a midfielder, you know, what he what he did for Liverpool as a club, um, you know, you respect him for that. But, I mean, the thing that you probably can't compare the rest of them with compared to Wayne Rooney is there, um, you know, like, Wayne Rooney was, you know, he's, he's England's top goal scorer, as in... You know the the big criticism of well, Skulls retired early from international football. Yeah. Um, Gerard though, Lampard. He was always the one discarded out of the Gerard Lampard Skulls. He was yeah. always the one playing left mid criminally. Mm. Um, so I'm not surprised he retired early. But yeah, go on. But, you know, as in like you had uh, Gerard Lampard's. You know they they just didn't really click for England. Mm. Um, Terry. Well, that's the thing. None of them did really. No, not <laughs> Apart really. From Beckham. Not... Apart Beckham from, was yeah, his goal Beck- against Greece. Every yeah, single other one didn't do anything for England. No, no, I, I agree. And I think, you know, I, I, out of those ones, you've probably got Beckham, you know, he's the one who probably did the most for England. Gerard, you know, in terms of longevity, was with England for donkeys and, you know, he, he, he never... Yeah, so... But, you know, that you can't really compare them with Wayne Rooney in terms of what they did for England, as in no. he's the... Outright top goal scorer. I think he's second in most appearances behind Peter Shilton, which and you know, he's a keeper, so it's exactly, always going to be yeah. a keeper, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. And it, but it's only like it's only five appearances, you know. And like, let's be fair, he probably missed five appearances through injury. So it, it's it's crazy when you look at the statistics, you know. It's in his incredible uh, career. But I guess you know, perhaps we'll move on to some of the uh, d- discussion points from there. You know, as in, I've got a picture on our notes of. Um, 
not all of Wayne Rooney's Premier League seasons, but the you know apart from like the first two where he didn't make any appearances. Um, so basically, two thousand three, two thousand eighteen, um, and I do you know what? I'll be honest with you, this surprised me a little bit. You know, there are there are only out of all of those seasons, there are two seasons where he hit more than twenty goals in a season. Yeah, to, to be fair, the age of scorers that can score billions of goals is now. I know mm. Ronaldo and Suarez both did it a couple of years ago. Ronaldo's mm. more than a decade now ago. But it's only modern day football now that you see lots of people scoring post you know, more than twenty goals every single season. Yeah. Um, I mean I mean Drogba, I think he, I mean I don't I don't think someone was telling me the stats for he's not a particularly good um, Premier League footballer from the regards to stats for goals because I think no. he only got to 10 goals I think two or three times surprisingly for his entire Chelsea career which I thought was no. absolutely insane Honestly, surely not I, I find it now but okay. you know what I mean well, you get well, lots... you... yeah go on while you're looking at that I'll, I'll just kind of run through the statistics you've kind of got um, uh, 03 04 Rooney scored 9 the following season he scored 0 they were both for Everton then 0-4-5, he scored 11, 5 6 16, uh, 6 7, 14, 0, 7, 0, 8, 12, 0, 8, 0, 9, 12, 0, 9, 10 was 26, um, 10 11 was 11 goals, 11 12 was 27 goals, um, 12 13 was 12 goals, 13 14 was 17 goals, 14 15 was 12 goals, 15 16 was 8. 16, 17 was five, and then his final season with Everton was ten. You know, so obviously you have that kind of natural decline at the end, um, but you know that's 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 part of um, aging as a footballer, I think. But do you think there's an element to which, you know, that's that you know incredible longevity from Rooney? But does that suggest that perhaps he wasn't quite as prolific as you know he was made out to be? Do you think? Perhaps because he was a central striker at the beginning. And you can see from... Well, he, he had a good start for the couple of years at the beginning. But you got to remember, he, he signed when he was 18 for United. Like, as an 18-year-old, scoring 11 goals, then 16, then 14, and then mm. 12. That's all before the age of 21. Mm. And then he does have... Well, every other year seems to be a decent one for a little bit where he's getting 26, 27 on some occasion. But you got to remember, throughout that period, you also got Cristiano Ronaldo, who's gone on to score... 30 goals on some of those occasions. Mm. Berbatov got close one year as well. And, you know, he's splitting it all out. You know, you've got a lot of good players in that team. So it doesn't surprise me too much that he doesn't have all of the necessary goals. Because, I mean, Mm. other guys were taking pens for a lot of the time as well. He's never been that just individual talisman. Well, and perhaps it's just a symptom of how United used to play as well, like you said, as in... Because they had so many outlets of... You know, they had Ronaldo, they had Tevez, they had Berbatov, you know, and, that, and that's just to name a few. Mm. Um, perhaps it was more because he wasn't necessarily a focal point than... Well, that's the thing. So, Ronaldo left at the end of the 10-11 season, I think, didn't he? Was he, it around then? No, he left He left after the 2009 Champions League final. So, against yeah, Barcelona. so 08 9 yeah. Well, there you go. So, he, he left in 08 9 and then the following season, Wayne Rooney scores 26 goals. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so you you see how he develops. Yeah, yeah and how he became more developed, more of a prominent role. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, and you know, go, going I think back, as, go on. Sorry, go on. Finish. No, no, you, you go. Finish. I was going to Drogba. 
I was going to sort of slide it in there. Yeah, yeah, go um, on. Because I found the stats. Um, okay. It, it wasn't 10 goals, it was 12, which I was on about. Drogba's record for Chelsea. Uh, all of these seasons by one, he's got 20 games. And the one he didn't, he got 19. Uh, mm. But he scored 10 goals in his first season, 12 in his second, 20 in his third, 8 in his fourth, 5 in his fifth. Then he got 29 in the one after that. Then yeah. 11, then 5. And then when he came back, he got 4. And that was with 28 appearances. So yeah, he only got above 12 goals twice in his entire mm. Chelsea career. And he was there for about eight years. So, or nine years, even. Um, right. so, so, you know what I mean? Yeah. You find it just wasn't the dumb thing for strikers. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't the dumb thing for strikers to score billions of goals all the time. It was mm. like you just had a lot of other guys contributing. Yeah. And I mean, you know, just moving on from that a little bit, you know, as in Wayne Rooney's the top goal scorer for United and you look at some of the other players in there you know you've got Bobby Charlton Dennis Law George Best Ryan Giggs as much as I dislike him um, Paul Scholes Ruud van Nistelrooy they are very good players in there you know they're not your average Joes it surprised me that Paul Scholes was so high up on that list he's under <laughs> I know he played yeah, but, tons but, of games but, but, but I think that's because he was basically you know yeah he, he was pretty pretty old by the end and I think that one is pretty much longevity yeah um, you know, um, but yeah, interesting career, Mister Wayne Rooney. I think it'll, I don't know. I, I don't get me wrong. I love Wayne Rooney, but I, I always feel with Wayne Rooney that there's that little bit of he could have been like the Ronaldo. Do you get what I mean? You, perhaps because he was so good, so young. I, I don't. That... I don't know Go if for any single season he's been as formidable as Ronaldo or Messi have no. been in any no. of his, but. For a team, he could have been a Ronaldo in its in the sense of just being that driving force yeah. for every single game. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. There we are. Right, that's enough of the Wayne Rooney loving. Um, should we do Shock of the Week? Yeah, let's. You go, you go first. Uh, mine was Messi got a red card. <laughs> got a red yeah. card. Uh, and and, and not for like a late challenge. Like, he punched for, like, him. For like fucking <laughs> somebody in the face. Like, yeah. what? He's going to have a big ban, apparently. Yeah, I, I read it's, it's something like 10 games, apparently, isn't it? Wow. It's crazy. I guess that's probably the Spanish FA isn't happy of him leaving, so maybe we'll just discredit him with... Uh... Well, and the thing is as well, it, it um, at that point, I think I'm right in saying that it was the Spanish Cup final. They were 2-1 up. He did that, got sent off, the team equalised, and then they ended up losing. Because they were, wow. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, not ideal. Um, my one. Are you happy for me to say my one? Because it does kind of link in with your your highlights, I believe. Yeah, go kind for of. It. Go okay, for it. so my shock of the week was Chad Henney's 13 yard rush um, on oh, third third and 14. It. Was it? Yeah, third and 14. Third that and was 14. an angry run. That was. That was such an angry run. He, Literally, you could see that Andy Reid decided this was going to be a running play from the beginning. But the speed he gets up to, because he's he's not he doesn't look like an athletic guy. He looks like one of those quarterbacks like Tom Brady. Mm. Yeah, good running technique. Running. Yeah, yeah, and good he running just, technique. He just he charged just, the guy. Yeah. He didn't look for the space. He went, "Where's the guy? I'm going to hit mm. him straight on and get across that line." And he did. Yeah. and it was like get in there. What a guy! As in, as someone said, the Chad Henney will never have to buy his own beer ever again in Kansas. <laughs> like he is just an absolute. He's, he's a legend just for that one bit alone. Um, but we'll discuss that more later. Um, Right, sticking with football then, but we're going to do a bit more of a, uh, you know, a roundup of the kind of topics of this week. 
Um, Big Sam. Uh, he wins again. <laughs> he, did, he did win. You're right. Um, I mean, your note here is he single-handedly broke <laughs> Liverpool, who haven't won since. I mean, I'll be honest. I think that's a little bit extreme. Because at the nah, end, of the, it all started with Big Sam. It was it was a one-all draw, so and he, he didn't broke break their Liverpool. spirit with it. <laughs> no, 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 no. He didn't break Liverpool. He managed to not lose to Liverpool, which is what you need to do if you want to stay up to be fair. But you know, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, he's but, but he's just beaten Wolves three two after yes, going down two one. That is a good result. Um, I, I I know it sounds awful. I I almost want West Brom to get relegated just because I. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I don't I can't be dealing with Big Sam. I'll be honest with you. Um, oh, I'm loving it. I'm like a absolutely of week, loving it. A couple of weeks ago, when we had Liverpool get Allardyced, I I was gritting my teeth as I was typing it. Um, like my whole like my whole body was like convulsing with rage. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, not quite. Um, it's a little bit extreme. But yeah, so they beat Wolves three two. Come back. Um, yeah. Although. Is it, they are no closer to getting safety than they were when at the start of it. He is still four points off, <laughs> despite crazy, starting at four points um, off. Should we move on to Wolves next? Because I feel like that's quite a natural yeah, progression. Yeah. And we'll, because do, we'll talk about West Ham after, but yeah. They are suffering. Yeah, they're really struggling. As in, I'm quite... You know, they, they lost... Um, obviously, Liverpool bought Jota in the summer. Um, so, you know, Jota's gone. And then, obviously, Jimenez had that really unfortunate injury where he fractured his skull. So... That's kind of ruled him out for a, a significant amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have still thought that they would have had enough to beat West Brom. Like, I know, even without and those that players. is what's super it's scary, isn't it? They're 14th now. They haven't won in six games. They've only won once in the last 10 games. Wow. They're 15th in goals scored and 15th in goals conceded. Um, and they're now closer to the relegation zone than Europe. And I think the thing that would be concerning is that it's because... It's not like, well, I guess it is quite clear cutting that they've lost Jimenez, and I think now perhaps we're seeing how not reliant, but as in how important he is to their game plan. Yeah, um, it's it's all based around get that ball in the box, get it for yeah. Jimenez. He's not that sort of like you know Peter Crouch or you know big unit of a man who's just going to knock it in with headers. He is still a very skilled player who's just oh, of super is, yeah. deadly. But it, it does all originate around how deadly he is to take up lots of players. Jimenez is like an old school number nine, fairly big, good in the air, good feet, powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, I I really like players like Jimenez. They're a bit of a dying breed as well. I think like when you look at how pure strikers, nines. yeah, like what strikers are like nowadays. Like, mm. and sorry, that makes me sound like I'm about ninety, doesn't it? How the strikers are nowadays. Yeah, you see guys like no. Martial and they're just lazy or they're just well, like, all based on pace. And it's again, like, like oh. you, you think of like like your Fernando Torres's, like your Drogba's, your kind of... Um, like Van Persie. Van Persie, yeah. uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy's, and these are kind of, you know... They're, they're strikers, big, out and out. Yeah, out and out strikers. They're kind of big players. Not, not, not like huge, but as in big stature, good in yeah. the air, good feet. The sort um, of guy who demands at least two people on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and I think that's what Jimenez offers to Wolves, and they haven't really been able to replace him since he's gone. Um, but it, yeah, it's a bit of a weird one, really. Is in, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I guess it would be such a shame if, if Wolves kind of regressed a little bit because they've been, you know, they, they've they've been the model club really for the past couple of seasons. You know, they've gradually kind of built up. Um, so yeah, hopefully they can uh, kind of rediscover a bit of form. 
fortunately for them, there's enough bad teams below them that they yes. c- confidently will stay up. I think you've the thing got... is, West Brom are going to stay up. That's guaranteed because Sam Allardyce should <laughs> Shut stay up. up. But apart from that, you've got Sheffield Stop United talking. and Fulham who probably will get relegated. And then you're looking at either Burnley or Brighton or Newcastle. Hopefully, well, not hopefully, but well, you know just, what I mean. Just putting from, it out there tonight. Wolves's tonight, Newcastle are playing a four-two-four formation. So look out. <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> you want to win some games. Yeah. Clearly, Steve Bruce is getting fed up of all he the is hard he's enough. getting for not going attacking, and he's going. Yeah. We'll, we'll, you want we'll attack? Strikers. I'll give you attack. Mm. <laughs> there we are. Um, right, uh, Mr. Trippier, Kieran Trippier, playing for. Oh, no, no, you missed West Ham. Sorry, I have missed West Ham. Are West Ham good West again? Ham. That was my question. No. <laughs> yeah, they are. No, uh, I don't David know. David Moyes said, I mean, "We're not the old West Ham." With a new West Ham. To be Unbeaten fair, four. Back-to-back wins. Against Everton, one of them. Mm. Mikel Antonio's back from injuries. Five points off the top four. 17 above the relegation places. They're a new West Ham. This is the Dimitri Payet-esque West Ham. You know what Oof. I mean? One of those good, good teams. I mean, what I will say is this. is fair play to West Ham. Because I remember seeing... It was the first game of the season they were playing Newcastle. And I'm pretty sure they... Did they lose or draw? I can't remember now. Can't remember um, back. <laughs> no, but I remember the the next, like, ten fixtures were absolutely horrific. And I was like, if they don't win this first game, they're going to go down. And fair mm-hmm. play to them, that just hasn't happened. They've actually done really, really well. So, um, I guess when we say they're the new West Ham, as in, I don't think... I think they look that little bit too good to be in a... Well... When you compare them to like Sheffield or Brighton or Fulham, and then you look at West Ham, you think, "No, there's a bit of a there's a bit of a golfing quality there." I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess in that sense, it is kind of the new West Ham. I reckon. I genuinely think maybe I'd never say they're going to contend for Europe anytime soon because there's too many good teams to mm. consider them. But um, they they very much got that vibe of they're going to be. Ninth, tenth for quite a few yeah. seasons to come. Uh, yeah. Although, to be fair, though, that's always a really volatile area where you could go big. I mean, to be fair, fair play to them um, for getting rid of Haller. They said, yeah, you know, they made they made about a twenty million loss on him, but they said he's not what David Moyes wants, and we're going with David Moyes's vision. And David Moyes for years did it well with Everton, and it's like you yeah. give David Moyes. Well, he I'm wants. not going to say resources to buy players because he's never been that sort of manager. But no. you give David Moyes a little bit of time and you actually centre what you're doing around him. You get some good well, performances out of it. At least West Ham have got a bit of direction because for so long now it's been like, oh, get a manager in, struggle a bit, sack him, then yeah. get David Moyes in on a temporary. Then they get rid of Moyes and then they get Pellegrini yeah, and Pellegrini yeah, does all right for one they've season. Had Bilic, they've had Sam. Yeah, you know, Sam. they've kind of like flitted between managers and it's like it's it's good to see that they've gone right David Moyes this is who we're back in we're going with his vision and you know it's things like that that they actually do make a difference it's surprising how you know rather than just buying players because they've got good statistics if a manager goes right this is who I want go and get me this player and I will make him play well um, which yeah. obviously when you're kind of going back and forth between managers you can't really do so yeah I stand. I stand corrected. <laughs> um, right. Can I move on to Trippier now? Have I missed, you have can I missed move anything? On to okay. Go for it. Um, well, actually, I'm saying that. Do you want to? Do you want to take this one? Because I, I kind of know what's going on. 
But well, I, I have, I, I've, I've really been following it to be honest. Yeah, Trippier's got a ten match ban for breaking betting rules. Obviously, it's against the rules. Shouldn't do it. No. But Atletico appealed it, saying basically, how can the English FA give a ten match ban which affects Atletico Madrid matches to a player when he's not even playing in their league? <laughs> he's playing in Spain, so it's. They were like, well, what the heck? It's like, this, is, this isn't fair. <laughs> you, mm. you don't get jurisdiction over this guy. But FIFA said, yeah, <clears throat> English FA of worldwide effect. Um, it's just surprising. Well, there's a little bit of... If, have they given him a 10-match ban because that means he misses the first leg of the Champions League match, which coincidentally is against an English team in Chelsea? Is this a little bit of bias from the EFA? <laughs> um, um, and are FIFA in on it? Because, I mean, by the same logic... Any team can, well, any FA can go, oh, we're going to give a ban then to this player because why not? Because it affects, you know, if they're not playing against one of our teams in the Champions League, you could see the Spanish FA give Neymar a ban because PSG are playing Barca. But is that that not because Trippier is English? See, I, I tried to check that out, but it doesn't look like it. It must be something related to that, because surely the English FA couldn't just randomly go, we choose you, you've broken a ban, and therefore we ban you. Well, I don't know if it was because or he's at board, some point... Well, he, maybe he committed the crime well, he was when Spurs. he was in a, Yeah, at Spurs. I don't know whether that's the dealio with it. But that, that was kind of my, like, well, Suarez played for Liverpool, now he plays for Atletico, and they're playing Chelsea, so why can't you ban him as well for something? Or mm. Keita playing for Liverpool now. Um and he used to play for Leipzig, and they're playing Liverpool. So it's like, I mean, where's the limit? What, what point I mean, did you cross I, the line? Yeah, I mean, I guess if it's to do with, um, you know... I, I don't it, think there should be any allowance for this, because it it's open to abuse, where teams mm. can go, hey, we got him on a small technicality here, let's give him yeah. a huge ban, because it means he's not going to play against our guys in whatever competition. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, I don't really know because I, I haven't been following the story. But I'd imagine if it's related to him, if it's because he's English, then I think, I mean, let's be fair, there's a fair level of uh, accusations levelled at the English FA for being wow. corrupt anyway. Even, um, if it, even if it is just because he's English, it's like, well, what's to stop them going, hey, Jaden Sancho? Dortmund playing one of our lot. Let's, mm. let's give him a ban. It's, it just really diminishes the value of English players abroad because all of a sudden the Football Association can just go what, dishing out fines. What would make more sense if they said we're going to dock your wages for a little bit? Yeah. That would make more sense. Or like reduce, or you have to pay like a fine, like a yeah. hefty fine, like say a million pounds or something. I think he has to pay a fine as well, but it's only yeah, about, I think, 85 grand. I was about but... to say, let's be fair, like in football terms, it's going to be penis, isn't it? As in like yeah. 85 grand is like a drop in the ocean of a trip here, probably. Mm. Um, <laughs> it's 90 minutes work. Um, there we are. Yeah, I don't know in all honesty. I do not know. Um, right, should we do highlight of the week? Let's. Um, my highlight of the week was Aaron Rodgers... Touchdown versus the Rams because he had the defense jumping, like he threw a dummy and the Rams defense just, they just didn't know what to do. They were, I think, they were so focused on his, uh, his you know, his, his throwing game that they just kind of just were not expecting him to run, and he just completely took advantage of that. So yeah, that was my highlight of the week. My highlight of the week was your shock of the week. 
was. Maybe not in its pure essence of just no. the 13-yard mine was Mine was like a moment. Mine was more about Andy Reid having the minerals to to do what he did on that final <laughs> drive. It was just insane. Like, the Chiefs, for, for those who weren't aware, Mahomes went out of a concussion in the third quarter, and all of a sudden it was like, hang on, the Chiefs are only up by... Well, it wasn't a lot. It might, it might have been 12, somewhere like that. Yeah, it wasn't and, much. Yeah, so you were like, it's only 12, that's two touchdowns, and you're behind all of a sudden. Mm. So Mahomes goes out of a concussion. Chad Henney comes in. Chad Henney, by no stretch of the imagination, is a top-tier quarterback, which is kind of what mm. the entirety of the Chiefs game is based on, mm. Matt Patrick Mahomes being a top-tier quarterback. Yeah. Um, and he threw an interception. <laughs> Chad Henney threw an interception on his first drive, and it was like, gosh, here we go. We're going to lose this. Um, the defence comes up big and stops Baker Mayfield. Yeah, they, they actually did all right. <laughs> and then, basically, the Chiefs just needed to start milking the clock out with a couple of running plays um, to win the game. And, mm. well, they got, they got I think, two first downs. Yeah, which was, yeah, you know, yeah. They milked away about six minutes o'clock. And on their final one, I think there's only about four minutes left. Um, and they did, they did a running play. The clock was running... Then they call a timeout because it's now third and 14. Henny's been sacked. Mm. And, wow, initially I thought, go for a running play, get the clock running at least, because Cleveland had used all their times mm. at timeout, so they'd have had to go the entire length of the field um, with a mo- mostly run-heavy game. Yeah, um, yeah. And try and win this thing with like only like a minute and a half left, it would yeah. have been. And Andy Reid, fair play to him, went, no, nah, we're gonna we're gonna call up a passing play. We play, and it wasn't a passing play. <laughs> All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Chad Henney scrambles fourteen yards to try and get the first down. He was inches short, but the, yeah, it, the it, it momentum was insane. Literally, he went four and inches, and you were mm. like, "No way!" Like that is absolutely like you were just kind of sat there. And you're like. What just happened? Like, yeah. what? At the very least, happened? I thought they were going to go for like just like a small run to milk a bit of clock, yeah. then punt it away. That was what every other coach probably would have done because that's the normal thing to do. But they decided yeah. catch him off guard, yeah, pretend you, to do you, a passing play, run it with Henny. Almost got there. Yeah, you and thought then, you. Yeah, sorry, go on. I was going to say then on the fourth and inches, um, it was like okay. They they're going to try and you know draw the other team offside, get a three five yards, um, and then they'll win the clock that game uh, that mm. way because then you they'll, they'll have uh, been able to run out the clock before Cleveland can get the ball out. The game would have been mm. won at that point, and then all of a sudden they actually call the play. Chad Henney throws a pass, it gets caught, they're across the line, and they win the game. game. And it was just like good gracious! Not only <laughs> if they just put the game on Chad Henney's legs, but then onto his arm. Oh, yeah, he, he was a masterstroke. Yeah. Master well, stroke. and they they said they said we don't know any coach that would put so much like, is in that's asking like considering like I can't remember how long they said, but they said it's been ages since Henny has started a game. Well, he's um, a thirteen year career, and he's never actually been a starter. I don't there we think. are, you know, and and like this is like huge moments, and he's just done absolutely two. As in, if Mahomes had done the same thing, you'd expect it from Mahomes, obviously, but you'd mm. still be kind of like clinical, really, uh, you know. As in, like, that's a good play. A bold play. decision. Yeah. Yes. But, like, you kind of watch it and you're like, this is Henny. Like, what's he doing? Um, <laughs> and, you know, like, you were kind of sat there as well. As in, um, 
it, particularly for the on fourth down, like you said, and it was, it's a good shout actually. You know, like you said, the Browns are all about their running game. Just punt it long, and then they've got like say, I think it would have probably would have been a about two minutes by that point. Oh, yeah, really a minute and a half, Dad. Yeah. A minute and a half to get the length of the, of the field, which is it's doable, but isn't you're having to rely on a Baker big play. Mayfield, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're having to rely on on a big play from your quarterback, which is not really the Browns' strongest facet, is it? They're all about their running game. But yeah, it was it was when, like you said, you were kind of expecting to try and catch them offside, and then they just snapped it. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing? <laughs> what yeah. are you doing? And I think that caught out the Browns. I think everyone thought they were going to run down the clock there, call the mm. timeout, get the punting team out and boot it. You know, yeah. just see if you can get that five yards for nothing. Yeah, perhaps they, perhaps they just called... Um, Caught them cold. They yeah. just called their bluff, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah we we're going to do it. <laughs> Sorry, I've just seen you know it's Chad Henney for MVP. <laughs> <laughs> Disgusting behaviour. Disgusting behaviour. <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps we'll go back to the um, Holmes concussion. Um, yeah. You know, it's 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 interesting because I didn't really know what the protocols were with the Holmes concussion. So they do a load of the tests, don't they? Yeah. Um, and they basically they just keep testing him until they're kind of happy. Um, you know, that there's not any sort of neurological long-term potential effects. Yeah. Um, but I guess what was interesting is, like they said, how there's, there's the, like, the doctors, like, pitch side, obviously, you will assess him. But then they, it's almost like they have people up in the stands to kind of look at, just look at how he is at the time. Yeah, they're to look um, at everybody. If somebody's holding their head... Yeah. Or they're, like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, crouching awkwardly or something, it's like, and get him out. I mean, <laughs> I guess... So, basically, what happened was Mahomes... Got tackled. He was very wobbly, like very, very oh, wobbly. He, he, he collapsed like he, a newborn, like yeah, giraffe he, or something. Yeah he, yeah, he couldn't stand up. Basically, he went off the pitch. They did like a mini assessment pitch site, and then he ran to the locker room. So he looks at that point. He looked okay. Um, I guess I don't know about you, Jack, but I guess my concern would be that when they look at the footage of him getting up, they yeah, go. And that's, that's exactly why they said, "Get him in the locker room. We'll do the tests now." If he yeah. can come back out, he's allowed to come back out. And he wasn't allowed to come back out because something was clearly awry. Awry, yeah. But, um, so. yeah, I mean, the thing is, we don't know how long this concussion is going to last, if it is a concussion even at that, um, and whether he'll come back for the AFC Championship game. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, I don't think the Chiefs are going to win an AFC Championship game with Chad Henney. No, no. As important as Chad Henney was for us. <laughs> no, Just no, yesterday. you... you, you... You just can't see it. I mean, it would be such a shame if you know we we were to go out without the homes because you know I, I I appreciate that it's part of the sport and that's how it goes. But as in, you'd almost rather Mahomes be there and you just lose outright and you go, well, there we are. That is what it is. But when yeah. Mahomes isn't there, there's almost an, like there'll be an inkling of, oh, what if Mahomes would be playing? You know? Yeah. The thing is, it's. He's not going to be like dizzy for the next few days. It's not going to be that. It's purely based on the safety of Test. his brain, basically. Yeah, mm. it's like we're not putting him in for that reason. If teams do put players in like that, I think they get like a hundred thousand dollar fine. But the thing is, just worth it. No, because I don't think <laughs> I, I don't think any team would openly say we're going to do that. Any, I no, I advocate for that. And, I mean, yeah, apart from it, maybe the New Orleans Saints, I can't see many teams going. Yeah, we'll do a dirty trick like that. It, it, it um, undermines the whole system as well, doesn't it? Yeah. If, if teams are just going to go, oh, we'll play them anyway and take the fine. What What if there's a little bit of that in the... You know, they go, right, we'll put Mahomes in for this game, take a £150,000 fine, um, 
but there's going to be like another 14 days after this until the Super Bowl. So he's bound to be okay by then. And it's like, mm. oh, but oh, you wouldn't want him to do that. But at the same time, it would mar the whole, it would undermine a lot of it, wouldn't it? Mm. I don't think they would do that. But there we are. So yeah, the Chiefs game was intense, but in a bizarre way. Is it, it wouldn't have been in a way that we would have expected. <laughs> no, Chiefs were dominating up until yeah, my home was yeah, went out. It was, and it it was, was like, weird. Oh gosh, what's going on? It was really weird. Um, there we are. Should we talk about the uh, Bills game? Yeah, sure. Uh, um, well, the Ravens got held to three points. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, to be fair, they were a bit unlucky. I'm baffled. Yes. Both teams were 3-0 going into the third quarter, which was surprising. So mm. neither offence was doing particularly well. But Lamar Jackson threw the... Well, he threw the first touchdown of the game, um, but it was to the wrong team. He threw it straight to one of the Bills players and he yeah. ran the 101 yards for a pick six. <laughs> I mean, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I I feel like Lamar is, is... The longer it goes on, the more and more I think is he a bit of a one-trick pony. Yeah. You get found out in the league pretty yes. quickly. It takes a year or two. If you're genuinely good, you survive. If you're not, Mahomes. it starts to show up. Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. it, it, is, it is one of those things. As in, you like can't you said. just rely on being able to run because he just... No. He just well, he hit... With that interception, he threw that right into the defender's chest with three mm. other guys, all defenders around the one target he was aiming for. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> what are, yeah, yeah. What were you thinking? There? It's like, it just... What just are you doing? To me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, go on. But yeah, it sort of raised the question. I thought, is he a serial choker in the playoffs? His Oof. first year, he was against the Chargers and lost twenty three seventeen in the wild card game. He got yeah. booed that game. The second mm-hmm. time he was in the playoffs, um, he lost to the Titans. The Ravens were the one seed at that point, and they yeah, lost yeah. to the six seed Titans. Uh, and Matt Lamar threw two interceptions. And this is his third year, and he got held to three points. But to be fair, he did leave a concussion partway through yeah. the game. But yeah. also threw a 101-yard pick six. <laughs> so, yeah. you know what I mean? It was it was going it, downhill pretty quickly. Even if he'd had a storming quarter, you'd still say it was only kind of just about balancing out what damage had been done previously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think uh, Bills deserved it, really. Um which is, you know, it's interesting because against the the Colts, you looked at the Bills, and you thought they've left all the points they had on the board. Whereas you looked at the Colts, and you were kind of like, they could have scored a few more points there. You know, they dropped it in the in the end zone. Um, mm-hmm. I think they went for a couple of odds, like uh, two point conversions, and they went for yeah, they did some weird stuff. So the Bills get through there. They've now played against the Ravens, um, who have um, even struggled. Though, even though they did hold them up like the Ravens, they didn't do particularly well on offense, and that was meant to be no. the strong point of their game. They didn't do a, pa- a running play for, I think, <laughs> I think after like, it took almost like 20 mm. plays before they did a run. It was like, what were we doing? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you've put other, other Bills a serious contender to win the Super Bowl. I think by this point, it does kind of fall into that kind of sporting chasm of chaos where it's kind of, anything can happen sort of vibe. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. They've only got to um, win two games, basically. Yeah. Is in, um, you know, it, it is a, is in the, the statistics would say probably not, based on, mm-hmm. you know, they've got to play the Chiefs next in the, uh, yeah, the, the Super Bowl championship, championship game. 
And then yeah. they've got to play either the greatest quarterback the game has ever had in Tom in Brady. In Tom Brady. Or they've or... got to play the second best quarterback yeah. has ever been in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's, it's no... Uh, it would, if they did... I mean, if they did win it, then they would deserve it because they've had a pretty horrific route. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm just putting it out there. I called the Bills to win. Like, in my in, in the first podcast, it probably would have been about three weeks ago now, I called it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I could I call a lot of things. I still think it's a bit of a long shot. Um, yeah. I think like, I, I called think the Packers to make it this far as well. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> well, all right. But no, I guess the thing that the Bills have got going for them is that out of the four teams left, they are very much... Well, they're the worst team. I think we could, we could say that, I think. Yeah, um, I'd agree with that. Um, the thing is, though, they could easily get the Super Bowl if Mahomes isn't playing. Well, that's so, the thing. That's yeah, the like thing. One it... one game, basically all or nothing. Well, look, if if Mahomes isn't there, all of a sudden the Bills are favourites for the for that game. I think because as good yeah. as the Chiefs are, you can't, you just can't play without. You your, can't your win a championship game without without a quarterback. quarterback. No, no, and that's no disrespect to Chad Henney, but you know he's not a starting quarterback. Um, yeah, so that was the uh, one side of the. Uh, divisional playoff games. Now we're moving to the other side, where the we are talking about uh, the Saints and the Buccaneers. Yeah, D- Tom Brady, at the third time of asking this season, has beaten Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. And crucially, yeah. this is the time it mattered the most. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But th- this was Brees' last game. He said he was going to retire at the end of the season. So that's oh, he's retiring, is he? Okay. Yeah. They announced that oh, just before the game, um, but it was just—it was just a surprising game, really. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know about you. Perhaps I was just being a bit naive, but I—I I had the Saints time to win that game. I did as well. I well, to be honest, I made all my predictions this year based on if there was any information from the regular season, I went with it, which right. is why I thought the Saints were going to beat the Buccaneers, and it was why I thought the Packers were going to beat the Saints, which is why I thought the Packers would make it to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But now that it's all flipped on its head and the Buccaneers beat the Saints, I mean, mm. the Buccaneers battered the Packers earlier in the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perhaps yeah. they beat them and then they play the Chiefs in the Super Bowl if they beat the Bills. That's the thing. The Chiefs have beaten the Bills this season. So they could, they on merit, they should make it into the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs have also beaten the Buccaneers who have beaten the Packers this season. So on logic, the Chiefs should win the Super Bowl. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, it's interesting because if, if out of all of the teams that were left, the one team that I was like, oh, that's a bit of a stumbling block, would have been the Saints, I think. Mm, all I, of the other teams... I worried like, about the Packers more, see. Well, I think the reason I say this, I feel like the way the Saints play... Look, don't get me wrong, the Saints have got a good attack, but I feel like the way the Saints play is almost like the anti-Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they would kind of just stop the Chiefs play in their own game. Um, and as a result, I feel like... I don't know. As in, let's put it this way. I feel like if the Packers and the Chiefs went into a slanging match between Mahomes and Rodgers, I think I think there's only one winner mm-hmm. um, in Mahomes, I'll be honest. I really do. Um, and I feel the same for the Buccaneers. As good as Tom Brady is, I feel like if it got into a slanging match of who's going to throw bigger, who's going to score more touchdowns, Who's going to make the biggest yards? I would, I would back Mahomes. I really would. Uh, obviously, again, this is assuming that Mahomes is fit. Um, 
But yeah, so I, I, I was most concerned about the Saints, in all honesty, and then probably followed by the Packers, because Aaron Rodgers is crazy good. That's fair enough. And and they have got a good offensive line as well. You know, so he's, he's not but only they got saying, cracking... What you're what? saying is you still think the Bills are going to win this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Of all that. You think yeah, the definitely. biggest slanging match winner of all this is going to be the Bills. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I wish people could see my face on this podcast right now because it's like the epitome of not being confident. <laughs> there we are. Um, so the other game was Packers Rams. Nothing um, really happened. D- yeah, the to Packers be honest, just dominated. Yeah, the, the Rams didn't really offer a lot. Um, as in, Goff had his broken thumb. Was it a broken thumb he had? It was. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he had so- surgery on it, but it wasn't healed. No, um, so. Uh, I mean, I would have only had that game going towards the uh, the Packers anyway, but as in... Bit of a boring one as well. Like, the Packers yeah. just... They, the Rams couldn't get anything going. And no. To be fair, the Rams were pretty decent on defence against the Packers, but mm. when you haven't got anything on the offensive side... No. Well, do, as in... It's like, well, and and I think um, the, the Rams the Rams got close, didn't they? And, mm-hmm. then, and then the Packers... Did they intercept? Possibly? I'm oh, sure it was something that. like that. And I'm sure it was like a ten point. Was that a different game? I can't remember now. But it was, you know, it, I think it was one of those ones where you were looking at it and going, "The Rams' defense is doing okay, but they, their offense just did absolutely nothing." You're never going to win a game of American football if your offense isn't at least firing on part, you know. So um, yeah, yeah, it went as expected, I guess. Um. Oh, this is interesting. Yeah, I only saw this in a tweet today. Deshaun Watson, the quarterback of the Houston Texans, put a tweet Mm -hmm. out saying, well, because apparently there's a march being um, organised by, I Mm -hmm. think, it didn't specify, but I assume it's by Houston Texan fans for Deshaun Watson. I think it's almost like a support one, like, please stay, don't leave us, because it's quite well publicised he wants to leave. Even ex-Texans players are getting in on it saying, Deshaun Watson should go somewhere else because he... The Texans organization will just ruin him the longer he's there. Um, and he basically just put out a tweet saying, Hey, stop the rally. We don't want COVID to spread. I think there's a bit of a cop out of, I really yeah. want to leave. Please don't mm. organize this thing. I don't mm. make it any harder than it needs to be. So it was just a bit of an interesting one. And it did sort of bring up where do you think you'll end up? I mean, I, we have spoken about it. We might have even spoken about it last week. But yeah. I mean, you can go to a number of places. I, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this in particular. Um, but. I mean, he, Miami was a potential landing spot for him because yeah. Tua Tonga Vailoa um, hasn't really hit the heights. Been a bit hit, yeah, he's been hit and miss, hasn't he? Yeah, and they've got a few first-round picks to offer as mm. well, so um, that could be an option. I mean, the the Jets, they're starting afresh. Perhaps he wants to go there. Maybe even the Jaguars, they've got the mm. number one overall pick. Do you pick the best college quarterback or a proven mm. NFL star? I don't know. And then you've got the Patriots, possibly. That that would be interesting. It would. I, I don't know. the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots probably are one of the worst teams for drafting players. They're just really good at getting people on the cheap uh, mm. to join the team, almost like the Patriot way. Everyone's going to take a cut-price deal to make some sort mm. of superstar squad, which is why yeah. they're always competitive. But now they haven't got Tom Brady, no one's really doing that. But in a mm. sense, I don't think they'd be too opposed to the idea of saying, hey, have every single one of our picks this year and we'll have to show Watson. Teams have yeah. done that in the past. They've said, have them all. Because obviously after the first and the second round pick, 
the rest of them are, you know, Aren't chance great. of getting someone good is pretty low yeah, at all. Yeah, it, it just diminishes. You know, there's seven it? rounds, but you're not really going to get anyone with a seventh round pick, really, usually. Um, mm. So perhaps they do that, but... Yeah, it's an interesting one where he ends up. I don't know if Deshaun Watson would even want to go there, but he doesn't <laughs> actually have a say uh, when it comes to trades. No, the, that's true, The actually. team which owns you has the say. So who knows what will mm. happen? Who knows? And on that mm. note, who knows what's going to happen next week in the championship games? Because I'll, uh, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm very much excited. I feel like these uh, past couple of weeks, particularly talking about it on the podcast, but, you know, just gotten into it that little bit more, a little bit mm-hmm. more tension building, excitement building. Um, so the thing is, if if Mahomes is fit, he the Chiefs are making the Super Bowl. I I have yes. no doubts. Even though people are, I, I mean, no, no Bills. bills. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I just convinced it's going to be the Chiefs if Mahomes yeah, is fit. If he's not, then it's going to be the Bills. Rather, unfortunately, um, mm. and I I mean, I'm pretty certain that. Well, I I reckon Tom Brady will beat Aaron Rodgers. He's beaten oh, him so many times throughout his career. I and he. Absolutely clubbed him earlier in the season, and they're pretty hot right now. So, mm. but to be fair, they're playing in Lambeau, and it's meant to snow. And he is, but to be a fair, lot of Tom Brady's played in New England for so long that he's used to the cold, so perhaps yeah, it'll true. be like a homecoming to him. But yeah, yeah who knows? He'll get even better. Oh no, <laughs> <laughs> um, there we are. Right, should we finish off with our stat of the week? Let's. Um, let I'll do first. mine first because yours is an absolute cracker for uh, to finish off with. I can't help um, it. <laughs> what can I say? I'm amazing. Um, the NFC Championship game appearances since 1997. So, for those who don't follow the NFC Championship games, it's basically like the Super Bowl semi-final, right? Yeah. Is that a good way of describing yeah, it? Yeah, one so, side semi-final. Yes, yes. Um, so, appearances in the NFC Championship games since 1997. Tom Brady won. So, bear in mind, this is just purely for the Tampa Bay t- uh, Buccaneers because... The they Patriots play in the are, NFC, yeah. Yeah, whereas the, the Patriots play in the AFC, so those don't count. Um, Dallas Cowboys, zero. So in one season, Tom Brady has more appearances um, than the Dallas Cowboys since, since 1997. Which is, you know, what, that's 24 years? That's um, my life. Yes, that, that's literally as long as me and Jack have been alive. Um, and the years in, there you go, the years in the NFC since 1997... Dallas Cowboys twenty four, Tom Brady one. It's embarrassing that. that. That that's that's pretty damning statistic on the old Dallas Cowboys. But there we are. Right, do your statistic because you read oh, this to me yesterday. It it's, it's, a, it's a good one. If you add up all of the Premier League minutes played for Chelsea, and divide by the goals scored for George Weir, Gonzalo Higuain, Fernando Torres, Samuel Eto'o, Andre Shevchenko. And Timo Werner. So if you add all of the minutes they've played and divide it by all the number of goals they've got, so that's minutes per goal now. The minutes per goal for all of those combined is 280 minutes. Nicholas Bentner. So it's one goal every 280 minutes, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Nicholas Bentner's record at Arsenal is a rate of one goal for every 190 minutes. (laughs) I mean, he scores a goal... Every ninety minutes more often than all of those guys combined. Have so what we're saying on average, on average, Nicholas Ventner is more prolific compared all to all those players. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> that's nuts. That 
That's a glorious statistic. Yes, there we are. So that is the end of episode 11 of the Down to the Wire podcast. Um, thank you very much for listening. If you're listening on YouTube, um, like we said at the start, why not subscribe so you get all the notifications when we upload. Um, we upload uh, every Tuesday, and then we normally send like a reminder out on like Thursday. Um, we are also on Spotify, so if you're listening on Spotify, why not follow the podcast? Um, we are also on Apple Podcasts, uh, yes. Pocket Casts, mm-hmm. Google Podcasts, mm-hmm. Breaker. Yeah. Um, that's all of them. I'm pretty sure. And YouTube. Theory. I don't know if you've mentioned YouTube. I said YouTube at the start. Oh, I did you? Subscribe, didn't I? Gosh. There we are. Right. Um, thank you very much for listening. And me and Jack will speak to you next week. <laughs>